Hello everyone, welcome to the 41st episode of In The Vitrine. My name is Nadia. And this is Danny. And today, we're going to talk about underwear. Yeah. Risky. That's right. <laughs> what goes on underneath these clothes. Yes. Um, yeah, so I'm not sure how we got to this topic, but I guess we were just trying to think of something that didn't really have, really have anything to do with the pandemic. <laughs> um, so today, we're going to first start with um, Danny talking about, you know, all the amazing things she's discovered in her books and online where we can look at, you know, underwear. Yeah. yeah. So one of the one thing that I have here that was is really useful in thinking about undergarments is um the Metropolitan Museum of Arts catalog for a 1993 exhibition that they did uh curated by Harold Koda, Richard Martin and Harold Koda called Infra Apparel. So here they looked at um undergarments and we have to remember that in the 1990s, especially when this exhibition would have been on, um, underwear was seen a lot as outerwear. So a lot of fashion designers um, actually constructed bra-based bra, bra dresses like Gianni Versace would make these gowns with very structured bustiers. Um, and of course, we have the iconic Jean-Paul Gaultier um, creations that Madonna made famous um, with the cone bra. So at that point on time, the exhibition would have resonated a lot with what was happening in popular culture, but of course they brought it back a lot more. And undergarments have always been seen as very risque because obviously they are worn underneath the clothes that we present to people, so they would they are right next to our skin and they are only seen by a very few select um, until obviously um, the last 20-30 years when we started wearing them visibly under, gar- under our garments, showing straps, showing um, the sides, showing different aspects of them. So if we look at how they started the exhibition, they used a lot of uh, paintings to show that even though women were wearing all these elaborate garments, they were they were very risque when they were done in a very light fabric, so like the famous Marie Antoinette dress that was um, that caused a lot of controversy for being kind of see-through. And if we move on to the early 1900s, we have one of the big designers that was very prevalent was Mariano Fortuny, who did the pleated Delphos dresses. And those were very, um, they kind of really graced the body. So the kind of undergarments had to be very natural mm. and not the kind of crinolines that we saw uh, before the turn of the 1900s. Yeah. And of course, if we see later in the 1920s and 1930s, the bandeau bra, which is very minimal, it doesn't have much padding. Um, Usually it was made in lace um, and had maybe just two darts under the bust, was worn under very straight straight cut dresses that the flappers made famous and the kind of silhouette that was popular at that time was kind of a boyish hedge silhouette so the undergarments always kind of go with the silhouette that is popular at that time yeah actually i'm not curious about you know the madeleine vionnet dresses you know that were cut mm-hmm. on the bias yes. like what were the underwear that would go with that yeah i guess that's where we would have had those seamless um mm. style undergarments so they would have joined both the bottom and the 
the broad top into yeah. one seamless look. Mm. Yeah, because those were also very form-fitting because of the bias. True. And I think it's interesting how in the 19... I mean, you know, in the early 20th century, when you wore corsets, it wasn't just about um, kind of having that nice shape at the top, but also keeping the waist in. So mm-hmm. it's interesting how as we moved away from that, from the corset, then, you know, it's just about, to me, kind of like making sure you have a nice form or over your bust and really about keeping the nipple action low. <laughs> At least that's how it, it seems to look um, to me. And, you know, if you think about uh, moving on from the 20s um, through the war to the 50s, then the bra became, like, took on a life of its own, yeah, right? It with like the like, manufactured. Yeah, know? exactly. And they would have that bullet shape as well, like, very conical shape. Yes. So if you have watched, for example, like the Mad Men um, television series, um, and if you recall, like Betty Draper, she would wear these really cute cardigan sets um, where it was all knitted. So it's like a cardigan set with um, that cardigan on top, of course, and then the knitted dress that goes in an A-line. And um, I mean, her breasts don't look like that naturally, right? So it was really about wearing that particular undergarment that would create that shape. Um, so that's interesting to note as well. Yeah, and, mm. and that's really interesting because at that time they were worn under the sweater vest but one of the iconic pieces that Jean-Paul Gaultier did for Madonna was in 1990 for the Like a Virgin um, tour and video where she wore again this conical shaped bra and it takes a different um, look because it is worn on the outside it's worn as kind of this um, outer piece that she displayed whereas the conical bras were worn under the sweater vest so the different attitudes to sexuality and to pop culture um, in the 50s and the 90s are brought to the fore with this garment for sure and if we think about how clothes um, have different meanings in different contexts you know the fact that madonna wore this corset um outside in a very like you know i'm i'm woman hear me raw kind of way um, is an interesting ironic take on the corset in its original form you know which was seen to be something that restricted women's movements that caused them to not breathe properly or caused health issues because it was so tightly worn and here we have madonna saying well you know what i'm gonna wear it loud and proud and you know i am the antithesis to that you know so it's amazing how dress um in different times um worn by different personalities with different messaging yeah right can be so powerful yeah, and a fashion academic that has looked at this is Valerie Steele. She did a whole book about the corset, a cultural history. And a lot of fashion theorists argue that whereas the corset was physical before, women now wear the corset through exercise. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So what it means is um, before you would use the corset to shape your body, um, but then now you shape your body through exercise, through diet, through discipline, yeah. um, you know, that you, you put on yourself. I'm not sure which is better or worse, but I guess um, we'll take exercise any day <laughs> of a corseting because at least that, you know, um, has health benefits, I guess, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and the corset has seen a revival for some reason um, in recent collections and it's usually styled again on the outside it's not that tight fitting and it's kind of i guess it goes with the revival of like renaissance styles as seen in gucci um and they're worn with like sweatpants so they they enter the street 
wear styling as well, which is quite interesting to think about that a garment that was often seen with suspicion by women, it's now seen as just something that is used to style or um, yeah, as an accessory instead of something that kind of shapes and builds the body that yeah, much. Definitely. Yeah. And I think if we think back to one of our previous episodes when I talked about the Mary Quant exhibition at the Viennese Museum um, and the beautiful bralettes and bandeau bras that were shown there, you know, there's this very innocent look to them, right? Very girly, yeah. frilly. Um, yes. Nothing lace though, you know, just ruffles if anything. Um, cotton, very comfortable, very wearable. And that comes from the 60s where we have like the hippie movement, where we had, you know, the feminism coming to the fore, um, uh, the bra-burning feminists, almost that kind of idea. Yeah. Which and was I, a myth apparently. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess when we say bra burning, we don't really mean that people are burning their bras, but the idea that we are, we just want to be free, we just want to be free of all the restrictions that are placed on our bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, we're seeing that revival, right? Uh, now, because in the past few years, there has been this upsurge in, you know, women wanting to wear bralettes instead of bras. Yes. Um, of course, there are still bras available. There are still women who wear them. But bralettes have become trendy to wear. There are a lot of offerings. So you have like triangle bralettes. You have racer back bralettes. You have cage bralettes, right? You know, <laughs> where you have a lot of straps behind. Oh, yeah. Uh, so there are really? a lot of different types of bralettes you can wear. And I think the... Um, the common thread among all the bralettes is that there's definitely no wiring involved. So there could be padding, there could be no padding, um, but no wiring. And that's for comfort. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting that you mentioned that about the underwear in the 60s and like, and and how there was this move towards a, like freedom. But at the same time, it was in the 60s that the Wonder Bra was invented. So mm-hmm. the Wonder Bra was... Um, invented in the 60s in Canada by the Canadel company and the Wonder Bra has 44 components so that's like 44 tiny pieces that come together to create this shaping garment mm-hmm. and it's really kind of very couture-like because every minute measurement and every minute sewing, um, seam um, is very calculated so it was really um, it's interesting that it came at the same time, but when it really became popular was in the 1990s um, when the Wonder Bra created this series of ad campaigns. Um, and what was interesting in the 90s, why it resonated with that era also was the fact that it had a low cut so that um, low cut garments that were popular at that time would be... Um, so they enhanced low cut bras, you won't be able to see them outside out of your garments. Yeah. Yeah. But I must say, I mean, I, I have worn Wonder Bras before and um, they're really like cushions for your <laughs> breasts because, you know, the padding they have um, at the bottom sides of your breasts help to like push the, the breasts up to create this beautiful form, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if you're wearing something low cut, um, you have the cleavage peeking out or just displayed in, their full glo- in its full glory and it's really quite comfortable. Um, sometimes if I'm looking at these type of bras, what I don't like is the balconette bra, you know, and I, I also think that it really matters how your breasts are shaped and everyone is different, of course. And, you know, it also boggles the mind that bras are made in just these standard sizes. Um, but then even that 
phrasing like standard sizing is not standard across brands as well you know so when you if you might wear like a 38b in one brand and then like a 36c in another brand because they're all made differently um but at the same time i've always wondered why you know people don't customize their bras more just because you usually have one breast bigger than the other and you and everybody's made differently. Yeah. yeah. So I'm wondering how many people are just uncomfortable wearing their bras. <laughs> their whole lives, yeah. right? I, I think that is the premise of a lot of under like more niche underwear brands. But yeah, it, it's the idea of standard size doesn't resonate so much anymore. And if we look again at another powerhouse of the 90s in terms of undergarments, it was Victoria's Secrets. And they were very famous for their... The, the shows where they had their angels, the Victoria's Secret angels, um, this Glamazonian, very um, bosomy but also very thin models that kind of um, will be wearing all these carnivalesque outfits. Um, and how 20, 30 years later, it doesn't resonate to consumers anymore. So um, Victoria's Secrets has been seeing like a slowdown of sales. People, it's just not resonating with younger consumers and instead people like Rihanna have launched underwear brands like uh, Savage under her Fenty lingerie line and the way that she presented her show was really um, a lot of people were really resonated with it because she was using people of different sizes different colors um, and she has she's really embracing that uh, sensuality and sexuality in her shows as well but it's just that she's including more women in the conversation yeah that's amazing um you know as we're talking about this now like the wonder bra and like um savage and Victoria's secret i'm thinking about a brand you know that um, makes underwear that is meant to be more invisible you know even as we're talking about visible underwear um so i'm thinking about spanx Mm, yeah. yeah. So Spanx began in two thousand, and of course, you know it's a it's a very storied thing where Sarah Blakely, who founded it, is like a self made, uh, millionaire, right? Yeah. So, um, Spanx, if you're not familiar, is basically underwear that helps you to shape your body, and it's like yeah. a modern corset, you know, and yeah. it's really about like smoothing your tummy or smoothing your thigh yeah. so that you create this like really smooth. <laughs> I don't know if you've worn it before, but you don't feel very sexy when you're wearing it. Yeah, Um, I definitely have worn it before um, because there are some dresses you wear that you just need that, right? Otherwise, it's so unsightly. Um, So I have a a very unflattering pair, actually. And I'm going to describe it now for your um, listening pleasure. (laughs) It's like this... um, These... Pants, underpants, really, that like go down mid thigh. They're like biker shorts, right? Yeah, yes, I own biker shorts, Banks. Yeah, and then it kind of like rolls all the way up to under your <laughs> bra. Um, and the reason I bought that was, well, I want to shape my tummy, but I also want to f- not my thighs to not like stick together under the very tight dress I'm wearing. So actually, it's a beautiful garment in the sense that you get um, minimal chafing, <laughs> maximum smoothing. Uh, and yeah, it just feels very um, comfortable in a sense, I guess, you know, but you can't breathe like that well, I guess, in it. You know, and when you sit down, you can't eat like, a lot too, you yeah. know, but you do get that look. Yeah. So it's really about the compromise between like yeah. having that look and um, being comfortable. And I think I wouldn't wear spangs other than if I were in a situation where I would feel uh, looked at you know, like an event or something. Like, I wouldn't wear it on a daily basis, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And as you're saying that, the the reason also why the kind of more sporty um, bralettes and 
no padded garments are popular is because of the rise of streetwear mm-hmm. and you know even our shoes have changed like from the 90s and 2000s where the heels were super high we're now wearing sneakers or like low low heeled shoes with the chunky um heel and our underwear also is reflecting that comfort um there is not this idea of like squeezing but more of like just kind of uh wrapping or you know supporting lightly of the body yeah um and we've been talking a lot about corsets and bras but another i think something that in recent popular culture is also a big thing was the thong so the thong in Mm -hmm. Is best known for the song by Cisco that was, um, that was very popular in nineteen ninety nine in two thousand. I remember yeah. I was like twelve. I was in primary school and I was looking at this video in, um, on MTV. Dong 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 dong. dong. Yeah, dong <laughs> song. Uh, it was crazy. So it's like all these bumps all over the place, uh, shaking because the thong is basically like a wedgie garment, and and they can get. <laughs> really thin like they could be completely made out of like strings and i remember with my younger sister uh when we would go to like the underwear shop she'll like when she was like seven or eight she'll like pick up one of them and she'll like laugh at it yeah. it is a quite a funny ridiculous garment it is ridiculous and i'm actually thinking like who thought this up <laughs> and thought it was a good idea and um, I've actually spoken to people who say that it's actually very comfortable and i'm like okay. no way i mean <laughs> Yes, keep telling yourself that. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, don't you just want to unpick this wedgie? And like, yeah, I, I don't find that it's yeah. uncomfortable at all. Okay. So it's quite interesting how we went from like maybe bloomers um, to maybe boy shorts and then suddenly completely like stringy to the thong. It'll be interesting to look at the history of the thong as well and why it resonated so much in the 90s. But I guess this whole sexuality of the 1990s we remember the shows of uh, Tom Ford for Gucci, where everything was like very thin strapped with the little G metal pieces. Um, and we remember Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears and like these thongs that were being seen right sticking out of their jeans yeah. or their skirts. Yeah, so I'm not sure. That was a 90s, 2000s trend that kind of kept on for a while. Yeah, maybe it's like a spectacle and we're actually in awe of how they like keep it on without wanting to like just rip it off immediately and that's why we're impressed. Yeah, but also sure. I guess it goes with um, low back dresses. Mm. Um, it, it does have that risque factor, right? And then some, yeah. some um, stars wear it with like rhinestones and embellished and mm. I guess it does, it does accentuate and like bring attention to that part of the body. Yeah. I wonder if there will ever be a time when like not wearing a bra would like be socially acceptable um because i mean we've moved i think in different from... cultures they are True. like yeah i mean you have in france uh, or spain when you go to the beaches the like women go topless yeah and it's not just like sexy women it's yeah. like older women or like moms with their kids i've True. seen them like kayaking topless. yeah <laughs> i think it's fine also if like you know you don't have m- much breastage, if I can call it that, <laughs> to speak about to begin with, there's no, um, I mean, there's really nothing to say about support. 
you know because i think sometimes it gets heavy and you want the support so you put on the bra right but then for people who are less well endowed like for me sometimes i'm just like do i really need to wear one but i feel self-conscious when i don't if i do go out because it's like i feel oh people are looking or like yeah. there's not that nice shape um yeah yeah and i don't want that unwanted attention you yeah. know so there's that kind of like balance between attention and being comfortable yeah Yeah. wearing things for yourself but at the same time being socially acceptable yeah which is the whole thing about dress right like yeah i think getting dressed and getting dressed for yourself but at the same time making that compromise between being socially acceptable and yeah wearing what you want and i think um well i mean if we go to like our own journeys with underwear i remember that you know when i was a teenager and i had just grown breasts <laughs> then you know your mom would take you to the store and buy you a bra and things like that and i remember my first bra was from triumph uh, which is such a ubiquitous brand right in singapore it's like Triumph or Wako is like the auntie <laughs> brands and triumph had this line called bds um, and then after that, I would wear Pierre Cardin bras, you know, which were like for a little, I don't know, for little girls or not, but they would have these really cute patterns prints, and yeah, prints. And have matching sets. And yeah. yeah. And then you, I mean, I felt so grown up wearing a bra. Um, and then, you know, after that, as I, as I grew older, then I would try to explore different kinds of bras to wear. And I've definitely been, you know, um, fallen for advertisements telling me to wear like, I don't know, gel bras and things like that, right? <laughs> Um, so yeah, but I have realized over the years that I don't like it when bras have too much material. So I don't like it when the straps are too thick or like the back um, bits are too thick. You know, I just feel like it's a lot of material, it's suffocating my breasts. Um, and then with underwear, that's also been a journey as well. Cause you know, you have all kinds of things like low rise, high rise, bikini, midi, like all these kind of names that you yeah. have to figure out at the store. Yeah. And I always find every single time I have to buy underwear, I always find it's such a chore, like to go to the store to get measured again, to buy something, but not really sure whether it's going to be a good fit, whether the material is going to be comfortable, you know, so it's, it's a journey. I wonder if people have begun making their own undergarments. I think so. I think in Singapore, there's a brand called Perk by Kate. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's founded by a um, really lovely person called Kate Lowe. And she does these like in-house um, bras, but she also offers customized services. Mm-hmm. You know, So like if you need something, for example, if you've been through breast cancer and you need to buy a bra that fits into like, you know, a new body if you have um, had some reconstruction surgery or whatever it is on your breast I'm quite sure that she offers those services even for those who just want to have something customised to them if let's say you have like differently shaped breasts or like differently shaped bodies because it's such a intimate personal thing yeah. but yeah. it's also so hard to construct because of the little tiny minuscule parts Yeah. so I guess that's why it's not a more well-known service like in general I guess customization has fallen out of trend because yeah. of off the rack true but i should come back no yeah i feel like it's something that you know people who can sew should make for themselves honestly because <laughs> then you can just make it super comfortable um yeah but i what i really like about perk by kate is that they offered they started to offer padded bralettes which i thought was like wow amazing what a great <laughs> idea because then you know it's comfortable but then you don't show any nipples as well um, but then, I mean, if we think about like even more ridiculous things, we also have like adhesive um, nipple covers, yeah. right? I've worn those sometimes. Or like strapless bras that are just like the sticky tape thing as well. Yeah. 
um, nothing really works to be honest or like strapless bras and sometimes I'm just like why do I even bother it's so uncomfortable why do I just not wear any but then the socially accepted behavior comes into play again <laughs> yeah yeah Hmm. Okay, so I think we're gonna just stop right here. Um, thank you so much for listening. I mean, this is a topic that we could go on and on about forever, um, because there's so much we can talk about. But we're gonna end here for now. Um, if you like what you listen to, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud, and do follow us on Instagram at in the vitrine. Till the next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you.